Hey everybody and welcome once again to the Ember Sword Podcast. I'm your humble host Svetlin and today we have a bit of a format change. Usually the guest does a whole bunch of the talking but today I'm going to regale you with phenomenal stories of my my online experiences. This is brought on by a conversation with our guest today, executive producer Lauren. Lauren, welcome. So what was the question you wanted to pose to me? Yeah, so indeed, like you kind of said, I wanted to flip the script today uh, because we're talking, of course, about how to build an MMO server. And then that even is, is very wrong because it's not just a single server. There is a lot of servers involved. Uh, but rather than taking that sort of you know, from the inside out uh, and, and talking about how our, how our server architecture worked, uh, I thought, why not take it from the outside in? I mean, Svetlan, you've played a ton of multiplayer games and still do. Oh, yeah. uh, and that means you have been faced, obviously, also with all the downsides that typically come with online gaming and all the things that can go wrong. So Christ I thought... So many. <laughs> Rather than starting from, you know, how we're doing things, let's start from, you know, what kind of experiences you've had in the past in online games. And we can maybe talk about, like, where is that coming from? And how do you build an architecture that will, let's say, make sure you're not faced with that same barn fire? Yeah. So I particularly wanted to know about some of my weird, awful experiences when it comes to jankiness of online games, and I have a metric ton of those. Um, the ones that come off the top of my head are, well, really as follows. So I, uh, as listeners to the podcast might have alluded, I play a lot of Destiny 2, an embarrassing amount. And Destiny 2 uh, has a raid currently at the time of this recording, late, uh, well, mid-2020. The, the latest raid is called Garden of Salvation. Now, Garden of Salvation is a mechanically, fantastically fun raid with a great puzzle in it, which requires you to complete seven steps in order to then finally best the boss and get a very cool exotic weapon. Now, the catch is, the puzzles aren't that difficult, but they must be completed in a single run, which can take anywhere if, you know, if you're my group's experience level, like three-ish hours. So we were playing this raid because one of... Quite the uh, dedication, Svetlin. <laughs> I mean, I know, it's it's baby's first MMO, okay? I haven't played any of the major ones, let me have this. But yeah, uh, me and my friends were playing this because one of us has actually done this with a group of randoms that has gotten the weapon, and he is uh, our designated divinity man, that's what the weapon is called. And he must have it equipped at all times because it debuffs enemies. <laughs> so we decided, well, we should really like take this burden off of him, the... <laughs> the burden of divinity, as it were. So we start playing, and we're just powering through these puzzles after taking, like, two weeks to learn them and try them and fail. And we are, like, we're doing it, we're going through all of them steadily, and we, like, we do all of them, we do all seven, and then we reach the final boss, and the game time's out. It throws me in space, uh, which is the lobby system of Destiny 2, and since I'm the host, everybody follows suit. And we're like, eh, no big deal. Forgetting that we have to do it in one run, so we're like still amped up, we rejoin the raid, we annihilate the final boss, and we open the final chest to a shower of some boots. And that's all we got. <laughs> it's the equivalent of braving a storm trying to like do Alaskan crab fishing and then pulling up a single shoe. It was the worst experience. Um, that's, that's a recent example of an example that's still near and dear to my heart because I just love the game so much, is Mass Effect 3's multiplayer. Mass Effect 3 is a very divisive game when it comes to its single-player experience, 
But the multiplayer, I, I just genuinely loved because it's such an un-EA thing to do. Give really good free content to its player base. Uh, there was a catch, however. You could not play Mass Effect 3's multiplayer off-host. What I mean by that is that one person was hosting and everything was dependent on their internet connection. If it was bad, and most of the time it was, everybody else would be playing Mass Effect 3's glorious, phenomenal, wave-based co-op multiplayer three seconds in the past trying to, like, tell the future <laughs> and where enemies would be. So that... That I'm, meant I'm you predicting you're going to be right about there. Right. <laughs> so that meant just pressing a button 17 million times hoping you would hit something. And that was a very enjoyable aspect. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that might be, you know, a, a good example of, of some stuff to already dive into, right? Um, particularly, you know, like the, the examples you're mentioning there are, of course, more like, um, let's say, fully instanced games where you're playing, you know, more of a first person or third person shooter type action. Um, but it is it is a very important thing to keep in mind, right? When you're playing a game like that, uh, sometimes a server will drop out and and you know if if that is a mostly peer-to-peer -peer experience and it's a connection that's being disrupted between you know let's say the the host and and the game service uh then that is like you know maybe somewhere between four and uh 16 players let's say uh in some cases 64 players dropping out of the game and you know hopefully not suffering the you know the most dire of consequences although of course in your case you literally got the boot um so <laughs> oh come on that <laughs> that's pretty bad i mean that that that, that sucks in, in 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 a variety of ways uh, but you know as you can imagine when you're building like an mmo uh that is one of those things that you just cannot live with right you cannot have that level of instability um and also quite frankly you cannot have uh all the players in your game connected to you know one big server right that would just not fly so one of the big things that you're having to do when you're building for an mmo architecture is actually uh build your server setup in such a way that it is what we would call horizontally scalable um and <laughs> important that it is redundant yeah. um so so let me try and explain those two and i think i will just you know in order to explain them i will first go and travel back in time to mmos let's say 20 years ago right so let's say some 20-ish years ago i was working on neocron and you know the tech for that was still built in like someone's garage um, <laughs> it wasn't exactly great and essentially the way neocron worked was that uh, it was kind of like a like a first person shooter game where um, every part of the world was like a level right and and basically you know when you would you know let's say step from one level to another it would load you into another server that was running that level so for each level there was a server that was running that level of the game uh <laughs> and you know because these servers weren't quite that beefy yet uh you know they had their limitations in fact if you had roughly and uh, if you had roughly more than uh and they call these these level zones but if you had roughly more than uh let's say 200 to 300 people in a zone 
typically what would happen is the server that was running that zone would get overloaded and crash and you would get that same experience of getting the boot that you were talking about from destiny right where literally all the players in that zone would be instantly injected out of the game uh better yet actually people that would try to step into that particular zone from another level right would try to sink into that server oh my god only for it to fail <laughs> and then they would be stuck in limbo you know until that particular zone came back up oh my um, god so you can imagine as you know as sort of uh, the devs rebooted that server um and these players all tried to log in to you know to get back into the game uh they all started sort of reappearing across the zone but pretty soon you know if too many players joined too quickly they would once again cross that deadly like 200 300 barrier and the <laughs> server would crash again so essentially what would happen is sort of this community effort of sort of trying to get the hell out of dodge where you know people were starting to get aware that oh no pepper park one is down right um so nobody go in there a eh? if you are there try to log in and run for the nearest exit right until it crashes again and then you know try again when it comes back up so you would literally see people like get three seconds running towards the exit like oh and then crash again <laughs> Right, nightmare. <laughs> and and you'd hope that this wasn't a particular level that was like literally a sort of uh, really important passageway in you know in in the sense that there were only two ways to get from one end of the world to another, and you know the only other way to get there outside of this zone that was crashing, right, was to do, do like a half an hour in the other direction. <laughs> and you know this is how MMO started, right? And, and so obviously that's not, you know, that, that's not something that we want and also not something that, thank goodness, we accept anymore nowadays. Uh, but this is kind of how it all began. And so what I said was, like, obviously uh, that this is not something that, uh, that would scale, that would work if, for a modern day MMO. Uh, but this notion that you need more than one server in order to be able to hold this massive audience of an MMO is, of course, still very much true, right? In fact, oftentimes you need hundreds, if not thousands of servers to hold everyone that is playing such a particular game, you know, particularly for the large ones like uh, World of Warcraft or so. And so what we've done is we, we do also, you know, in Embersword have something called a zone server. It just works very, very differently. Um, so what happens in Embersword is a zone server actually uh, does not serve any particular area of the game world that we kind of like just chopped apart and said, ah, this is you. No, no. Instead, what we've done is we've sort of divided the entire Ember Sword world up into a sort of massive grid of little tiles or cells, as we call them. And zone servers are actually capable of servicing a collection of cells in this world. And not just do they you know serve that cell but they are also capable of working with other zone servers to spread the load so what basically happens is you know as certain areas in the world get very busy the zone server that is holding them says oh this is way too getting way too 
too busy for me. I can't hold all of these players. There's now way too many players that are in the cells that I am managing. And so it will simply say, hey, does anyone else have like some capacity available? And it'll literally hand off those cells to them. And this is a very transparent process that all happens automatically in our server layer, right? So basically what's happening is if, let's say, you know, like, the extreme scenario that on like a cell being, you know, roughly the size of a screen or, you know, slightly bigger. Let's say that, you know, 500 or 600 people gather literally on a single screen, you know, and eventually you get to the point where no more players fit in physically, right? Uh, then what would simply happen in this infrastructure is rather than a server crashing, right? Uh, it would just simply hand off all the other cells to other servers, to other zone servers, and focus all its attention on that really big area. Whereas, you know, these near empty areas that have been handed off to other servers add fairly little load for them. And the perspective of the game also plays a, a, a part in this, right? You mentioned that on a single screen, just a certain amount of people will actually fit because of the perspective is, of course, top down. Yeah, that's true. That's true, and that this is one of the one of the reasons why, um, like, in a situation where things get really busy in Ember Sword, we are much better equipped to handle it than a game that is like, let's say, first or third person. Uh, because if it's like a, you know, if you're playing like a World of Warcraft type game, right? Um, you know, once you get to the point that in an area around you, it would truly be like, you know, overflowing with players, you would, of course, be able to see them all around you, normally all the way to the horizon. And so a game like that, you know, at that point only really has the option to just start not sending you data on players that are like further than 20 meters away, <laughs> yeah. thus leading to players popping in out of nowhere, uh, which is something, you know, if you've played a game like that, you've probably already experienced even in areas that aren't so busy. <laughs> um, whereas with Ember Sword, because, you know, you're kind of limited to the screen area that you can see, um, yeah, we can pretty much be sure that your computer is going to kind of erupt into fire from the amount of graphics <laughs> it has to render long before we run out of capability to service players in a single screen area, which is, which is really, really cool. Um, and so, you know, that kind of explains how you do that, what we call horizontally scalable, right? So if it gets too busy, we simply add more zone servers and the load gets balanced amongst them. Then there is, you know, the redundancy, which is basically the part that I've somewhat explained already is that, you know, zone servers are able to take over the tasks of other zone servers. So if something drops out, you know, that task is just immediately carried over to another zone server. And so rather than, you know, you potentially becoming the victim of uh, one server uh, dropping out, uh, there is the hundred servers plus standing by to take over in a fraction of a second. Awesome. God, I... I just don't want anybody to go through what I had to go through. <laughs> um, so that is covering in-game stability. What about uh, general, like general login stability? Because remember, uh, a lot of games at launch have very wonky servers. A very good example would be the infamous now Diablo 3 launch, where for a week people just could not get in. Yeah, 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 that is the, the, the infamous Error 37. 
um, which you know once again shows kind of like issues with scalability. In the case of Diablo, it was an issue with the scalability of the login server. And there's many layers, of course, where we tackle something like that. First of all, it's with you know having that same horizontal scalability so actually having that spread over many login servers it is also about not maybe immediately uh, fetching all the logins from exactly the same database on exactly <laughs> the same server right um you know whoever thought that would be a great idea you know <laughs> right uh, so instead you know what, what what you're looking at is sort of distributing that information across many nodes across many servers and also caching it for example in in particular in memory databases so that they can very quickly query that information and get people logged in um, that also kind of um, ties into then uh, let's say uh, how do you deal with you know once a player logs in because we did kind of skip over and, and simplify something right because uh, I, I mentioned something when I was talking about Neocron so I think you know with this we kind of covered how login works it's just you know lots of login servers and don't put everything in a single database yeah. and you can handle a crap ton of people all wanting to log in at once and then there's also these neat little things like exponential back off where you say hey if it's getting really too busy you know we give you a little timeout before you're allowed to try to log in again just so not everyone is hammering our servers all the time pressing f5 like madmen right but you know the other thing that i think i mentioned you know when i was talking about neocron was this notion that if you stepped from one zone into the next zone your computer would try to connect to the zone server that that related to and this would be potentially quite a big issue because let's just imagine for a moment that in Embersword, uh, you as a player were co connected directly to the zone server, right? If that zone server drops out, then it's great that there's another zone server that takes over, right? But who's going to tell, like, you know, my PC <laughs> which zone server that exactly has become, right? <laughs> that, that's a, a wee bit problematic because out of the 1,000 plus zone servers, there's only one <laughs> that is going to give me the right data. Um, and so, actually, there is another layer to the infrastructure of how we run the game. And that is our proxy layer. So, aside from having all these zone servers that actually manage all the gameplay logic and all of these different cells of the game, right? We have this proxy layer. And so, when you log in, actually, you're not pointed forward to a zone server to connect to or even a whole bunch of them because keep in mind you know there might be cells next to each other that are being handled by different zone servers so you'd have to connect to a whole bunch of them right but instead you are pointed to one proxy server out of the many proxy servers right and by the way you can reconnect to a new proxy server at any time you need of course right so if your proxy fails you just take the next proxy it's you know almost instantaneously you could even keep a backup connection but it's that proxy server actually that has total awareness of all the zone servers and knows which areas of the game are being served by which zone server so you actually kind of get like a super highway connection to your proxy server which is typically a server that is relatively close to you 
and that then shoots over really fast you know in between data center connections or even within the same data center shoots all the data through to the respective zone servers who then bring that data back to the proxy server and the proxy server then brings that back to you so that means as you are switching from you know being in one zone to another are you as you are gathering data from one zone to the next unlike let's say in a neocron where literally it was actually secretly what you were doing it was kind of like you were playing an fps and then when you walked across a certain boundary you were joining a new game on another server right and that took some time to load and to synchronize and obviously that's not something that we have uh, in Embersort. So this is kind of how we do it. It's, you know, through that clever proxy who is just connecting to all of these zone servers just in time to get you all the data you need to play the game. And that, you know, although there is a lot more technical details we could get into on some of the other layers, that is a pretty good description of the way we build sort of this scalable server ecosystem for Embersort. So just to simplify it for the audience, because again, this was a lot of information. Um, the zones act as a way to handle the weight of all the people that are in the game. And the proxies ensure that the experience is seamless, right? Yeah, pretty much. You, you could say that, exactly. That that the experience is seamless and you're always getting data from all the proxies, uh, from all the zones that you need without your client having to juggle being connected to 20 multiplayer servers <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> or your computer catching fire. Well, if I understood it with my 70 IQ, I am pretty sure that our audience has gotten it at this point. So that was our podcast on building an MMO server or, you know, an MMO server architecture. Thank you for listening, and we are going to catch you next time. Hey you, you made it to the end. Congratulations! That must mean you like us enough to want more, right? Well, good news! We're all over the internet. Go to embersword.com and subscribe to our newsletter for a chance to play the game early, as well as the latest interesting tidbits on the game and the team. Join our lovely Discord community over at discord.gg embersword. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at PlayEmberSword for regular updates on what we're up to. And remember the basics. Drink water, be kind to each other, and spread the word about Ember Sword.